You're listening to The Collected Podcast, bringing you stories that remind us who God is and who we are in Him. The Collected Podcast is a production of Collected Ministries. Follow Collected on social media at Collected Podcast. And be sure to visit thecollectedpodcast.com for show notes and additional content related to today's episode. Welcome to Season 5, Episode 6 of The Collected Podcast. I'm your host, Jess Biondo, and Happy New Year! I know we're a couple weeks in when this episode drops, but it's our first one of 2023. Um, so I'm so excited to have you back with us and just very excited and expectant for what this year will bring for the podcast and in my own life and in the lives of all our listeners. So I'm just always so honored that you would choose to listen to to the Collected Podcast. So thanks for being here again. Um, Today, I have a really, really great interview in store for you. We're starting 2023 off with a bang here. This is a friend who I met through Anne Nielsen, who we had on the podcast in our last season. And um, this is another artist. She is a painter, a speaker, and she lives right here in Charlotte, North Carolina, near me. Um, And her name is Marcy Gregg. Marcy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jess. It's so good to be here. Um, I have your book here. It's called Blank Canvas, um, and I'll post a picture of it on our social media, too. And I was telling you when we were chatting a moment ago, I could not put it down over winter break, over Christmas break, when I was reading it. So I'm really excited um, to have you dive into a little bit about your life story with us today. Um, Yeah, so to get started, I was wondering if you could... um, just tell us how you came to know the Lord and a little bit about the path He's had you on. Well, I actually came to know the Lord when I was a young girl. I was nine. We were at a Christian family camp. Our family was there, and I um, heard Luis Palau speak, and he talked about Jesus dying for my sins, and it hit me that it was personal for the first time, and I knew that Jesus was my friend, but he was also my savior. Mm. And I, I was a nine-year-old little girl, and I knew at that moment that I wanted him to be my savior. I love that. And so just early on, rooted early on. rooted in you. Um, so as you grew up, um, what happened next? Well, the funny thing was I was very type A, and I was very much a person who could kind of get it done on her own. So I was kind of, I grew up and, and Jesus was my savior, but I believed that he could run the universe and I would handle my world. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of my mode of operation. I literally said, God, you handle the world. I'm going to handle my life. And I was able to kind of do the world that way. And that's the way I lived. And I was able to get it done that way. And everything went pretty well. I, I graduated from high school when I was 17. I went off to college. I graduated from college when I was 20. So I was kind of doing everything on this fast track. Yeah. And then I had um, the big thing that happened to me. Mm-hmm. And I guess we're going to talk about that in a minute. But this catastrophic event that happened in my life. And my life was literally, I hit a wall that I was unable to do on my own. Mm. And God brought me to my knees in a way um, that brought me to a place where I needed him in my life personally. And and things changed. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, let's dive right into that because that's such a huge part of your story and what your book is about. Um, So yeah, you just want to share what happened? Well, I was 30 years old. We had two little boys. We were living in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I had um, a six-year-old and a nearly three-year-old little boy. We went to the hospital to have another baby And we had a little girl and everything was wonderful. We had our family. My husband said, we are done. This is great. (laughs) It is, we've got, we've got a perfect family. And then 36 hours after she was born, the nurses found me in my hospital bed screaming and they didn't know what was wrong with me. And I had spiked a really high fever and, um, they began to work on me and they realized that something was seriously wrong. They called my husband husband, and told him to get to the hospital immediately. By the time he got to the hospital, I had already slipped into a coma and they did not know at that point what was going on. And over the next several days, they worked on me. They hung one antibiotic after another. They even drilled a hole into my skull to try to relieve the pressure on my brain. Mm-hmm but nothing was working. And then it was determined that I had contracted pneumococcal bacterial spinal meningitis during the delivery of the baby. And what had happened was I had blown bacteria into my brain during the actual delivery of the baby. I'd had a sinus infection and I had blown bacteria into my brain. So I'm now fighting this horrible disease, this bacterial infection in my brain, and I am very close to death. They tell my husband at the end of the week, it did not look good. They did not really feel like I was going to come out of it because I was so sick. And they told him that they just didn't see people as sick as I was come out of it. Yeah. But as they're leaving the hospital telling him this, across town, our minister is coming in and he has a word from the Lord to come and pray over me that it was not, that I was not supposed to die. So he comes to the hospital and all of the people are at the hospital praying and he goes into my hospital room and prays over me at midnight. And as he's praying, he believes that I'm going to be healed. And literally a few hours after he leaves the hospital, I wake up and it was a miracle. I mean, God responded to his prayers and there was not another reason um, that the doctors gave that I woke up except it was a miracle. Wow. I mean, praise the Lord. And I I just love that. I mean, it is a miracle. It's a miracle. I mean, it really was. A very humbling miracle for me. And he saved you for such a huge purpose. And I mean, so many that you're probably still uncovering in your life as you continue on. Um, but I know when you woke up, things weren't things quite the right. same. <laughs> No, they weren't. Um, I was laying in the bed and people would came in and they began to talk about my husband and babies and all of this stuff. And I'm literally saying, whoa, wait a second. What is going on? Because in my mind, I'm a 17-year-old college student that's at SMU in Dallas, Texas. I'm at Baylor Hospital and that's where I think I am. And that's where, what time in my life I think I'm at when in fact I'm really a 30 year old woman in Charlotte, North Carolina at Presbyterian Hospital. So I've literally dropped back and I've lost 13 years of my memory. And I'm not, I'm not 
17. I'm 30, but I'd believe that I am. And my husband came in and he bent down to kiss me and I thought he was a doctor. Mm. And I was horrified. I didn't know who he was. Yeah. And they put pictures of my children around the bed and they put, they taped their photograph to the bed to try to help me remember who they were. And they looked like really cute kids, but I didn't know who they were and I didn't know why they were taping them to my bed. Yeah. It was, it was very frightening. Mm. I mean, you know, you've, you've just shared too that you came to know Jesus at such an early age. So I mm. think part of this is so beautiful of God's protection of like your relationship with, with him was not forgotten. Right. I and didn't, like, I knew, I knew I had Jesus in my heart yeah. the whole time. I, it was funny. I, I kept praying, God, protect me, help me. I, I knew, so I knew I had God through the whole time I was laying in that bed and I would pray to him, which was really neat that even though I had forgotten all of this stuff, I hadn't forgotten that God was with me. Yeah. Oh, that's so. There were two others. I know. And there are two other really cool things that happened um, that were God's gifts to me in the hospital. One was that my husband, Dev, that was his name, is his name. He, I knew him at 17. I met him when I was 17 at college, my freshman year. I felt madly crazy head over heels for him when I was 17 years old, right when I got to SMU. And so he was familiar to me. I just didn't recognize him now because he looked old. Yeah. (laughs) He looked old. He was, he was 32. He wasn't 19 like he had been at, in college. Yeah. I'd, but I but I knew him. And the more we spent time together in the hospital, the more I began to realize that that was inside that guy was my dad. Oh. And that was God's first gift to me. Yeah. The other really precious gift that God gave me was when we met, the, when they brought the children to me, when I got out of ICU and they sent me to a private room, they brought the kids to me. And when they brought them to me, although I did not know that I had had them, I didn't remember having them. When they came in the room and they jumped on the bed and they laid the baby girl in my arms, I knew that they were mine. And that was God. That was his grace and his mercy that that would know that the mother's instinct was that strong that I would know they were mine. And I feel like that was God's gift to me. And those two things were the, the two, they, those were the two things that literally propelled me to want to go home. Yeah. And gave me a fight to want to get out of the hospital. Mm. And you got out of the hospital. I, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, but nobody really knew that your memory wasn't actually back, right? Right. I faked it. I pretended that I was getting better and I pretended that I had a memory when in fact I did not. Mm. So I, as Dev would say hello to people that came in to visit, I would parrot what I heard him say and it began to look like my memories were coming back and they let me leave the hospital thinking, because all along the doctor said her memories will come back. Yeah. But it looked like it was happening. So they let me go home. 
And I went home to this family and to this house and to this life. And I was thrust into all of this world that I really wasn't ready for because my memories hadn't come back. And I had left a part of me in the hospital and I was crying out inside of me for what I had lost. Yeah, I wanted my memories back. Um, and every morning I would get up and I would pray, God, please give me my memories back. I need them to be a mom. I need them to be a wife. I need them to take care of the children. I need them to take care of the house. Yeah. And I was desperate for my memories to come back. So every morning I would get up and I would read my the Psalms and I would pray and I would beg God for them to come back. Yeah. But weeks would pass and months began to pass and they weren't coming back. And I realized it wasn't happening mm-hmm. and that my memories were not coming back. Yeah. I feel like there's someone out there listening who has not had this situation, but what you've just said hit them like a ton of bricks of like, they have been praying and praying and crying out for something that they long for so badly. Mm. And heading into a new year, just kind of feeling like, maybe this isn't what God has for me. Maybe this isn't going to happen. And how did you wrestle through that? Like, how did God show up for you in that? Like, that's something else you have to now mourn and grieve and release. And how did you wrestle through that? Well, here was the, here was the problem. And this is, this is where I didn't wrestle well. Mm. I became like the prodigal son. Instead of turning to God and waiting for him, you know, it says all through scripture, wait for the Lord, wait for the Lord. I mean, I have found now scripture after scripture after scripture where it says, wait for the Lord and you will gain new strength. Wait, wait. I mean, all through the scriptures, it says that. But instead of doing that, I turned to alcohol. Mm. I, I turned to something for an immediate immediate filling up the the hole in me that was there. There was this hole and I said, I need help. And I began to drink to fill that hole. Yeah. And what happened for me was I drank to forget what I couldn't remember. Mm. Wow. And I was, and I was so, I was so sad because I knew what I was doing was wrong, but I was using it as a coping mechanism. Because instead of turning to God, who would have welcomed me with open arms, I turned to a substance and it became an idol. It became this thing that I looked to, to think it was going to make me feel better when in fact it made me feel worse. Mm. And every day I would get up and I would say, Lord, I'm not going to do it today. Please forgive me for yesterday. But before the day was over, I would drink again. And every day I would get up and I'd say, I'm not going to do it today. But before the day was over, I would drink again. Mm. And it was a terrible, terrible cycle I was on. Yeah. But God in his goodness did not leave me in that place. He did not leave me there because he had a plan. And it was like the prodigal son. He called me back to him. And, and allowed me to come home. One night we were sitting as a family watching TV 
And I had had nothing to drink because I hid my drinking. No one knew that I drank. I had this, mm. this hidden secret. Nobody knew. And I got the short straws at the, you know, as a family sits around and we have a dog and the dog needs to go out. The mother usually draws the short straw to take the dog out to go to the bathroom. So I drew the short straw and I took the dog out to go to the bathroom. And as I was coming back up the driveway, the dog had seen something at the end of the driveway, probably a bunny. And he was a big greyhound and he lunged. And when he lunged, he pulled me down. And when I went to the ground, I got up. And as I'm getting up, I have a view in the room where I had been sitting. And there was my family sitting on the sofa. And there was where I had been sitting. And there was Deb holding Callie. And there were the boys all over the furniture. And God spoke to my heart. And it was as clear as I had longed to hear him over those years that I'd been drinking. And he said to me, this is what I saved you for, the future, not the past. And as much as that father loves his daughter and his boys, I love you more. And just as he's holding his daughter, I'm holding you. Mm. But you have to trust me. I will never let you fall. And at that moment, I dropped the dog's leash and I went to the backyard and I fell to my knees. And at that moment, I knew my life was about to change because he wasn't just going to be my savior. He was going to be Lord of my life. And I surrendered my life to him. And at that moment, I gave up alcohol. And that was 25 years ago. I said, no more. It's not, it. he needs to be Lord of my life. Nothing else. I want his plan for me without my memories more than I want my plan with my memories. Oh, wow. And And I gave it up. I mean, I feel like somebody needed to hear that of this is what I saved you for, the future, not the past. Right. Like that is so true. No matter what any of us have gone through or any shame we're walking through, anything that's happened to us, like God still has a hope and a future for us, no matter what's happened in our past. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's all about the future. He's doing a new thing. Mm. He's doing a new thing. Wow. That, uh, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And what a great message for the new year, right? Right, right. Um, so as you then, I guess, kind of started to, I guess you would have to like rediscover yourself and figure out who you are now and what God has for you next. Um, what What happened? Well, after, I mean, I I started really doing a lot of service work and spending time with um, my children. And I had someone that that was in recovery help me seek out serving others. And Mm. that was real important to help other people. And that was one of the things I began to do. I began to work at the Harvest Center, serving the homeless. And that began to be a really big thing in my life. And my children began to help me do that. And then I began to paint Mm. and God brought painting into my life. And that began to be a very big part of my life. And I began um, to paint on a daily basis and it began to be a very big part of my days. And God began to speak through me in my painting and he began to show me new and different things. And, you know, I said that I was going to follow him no matter what. 
And a few years later, um, a few years ago, the no matter what came, mm. um, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. And I had to walk through another very scary thing um, because I was told that I had rheumatoid arthritis and it began to affect my hands. And I knew as an abstract artist that I needed my hands. As a professional artist, I need my hands. And I knew that God had been faithful to me earlier, and I knew he would be faithful again, but it felt very hopeless and scary because my hands were getting bad and it was hard to hold a brush. And I wondered, what does he have? Why? Why is this happening? Yeah. Why why am I walking through another did I make painting too important? Have I have I turned to something again that's more important? Have I made painting more important than God? What is going on? I began to question what why was I being facing rheumatoid arthritis? And I didn't know. Mm. And so that's where I and so I faced rheumatoid arthritis. And then one day I was very depressed, very frustrated, very scared because my hands were getting worse and I had put um, tennis balls on the ends of my paintbrushes to hold the, to hold the paintbrushes because I couldn't paint very well. And um, that night I went home and I found Habakkuk, the book Habakkuk in the Old Testament. And in Habakkuk, he asked God, why and how long? why is this happening and how long is it going to go on? And I thought anybody that can ask God those two questions, I want to read more about him. And I read the book of Habakkuk from start to finish that day. And I real, and then I get to the end of the book and he's praising God. And I thought, wait a second, what did I miss in the book of Habakkuk that he could start off asking God why and how long and end up praising him and saying, in spite of all this, I'm going to trust you. And I went back to the middle of Habakkuk and I read this chapter that says, I'm going to climb to my watchtower. I'm going to watch to see what the Lord says to me. I'm going to wait and see what he has to say for me. And I realized that's that this time I was going to treat it differently than I did with my alcoholism. Instead of rushing to to fill the void with something else. This time I was going to wait and see what God had for me in the rheumatoid arthritis. Mm. Because I know God is good. And I know that even though this didn't look good, God had something good in it. And I was going to watch and see what he had for me in the rheumatoid arthritis. And, And that, because... If you read chapter two, verse one of Habakkuk, it says, I'm going to climb to my watchtower and I'm going to stand there and I'm going to wait to see what God says to me. And that was very different than the way I'd handled when I was waiting for my memories to come back. Mm -hmm. And what I have found with the rheumatoid arthritis is that God has used this to bless me, to trust him more. And I've learned that even though my hands hurt every day, I'm learning to depend on him more through this. Mm. And that's a sweet place to be. 
Yeah. Wow. So what encouragement would you have for someone who finds themselves in what feels like an impossible situation? Because you've had a few of them in your life. You know, I would say I understand. I totally understand. But I would tell them this. If they came to my studio today, if they, if they came into my studio today, they would find a painting that I left there on Friday. And it's not finished. And they would, if they were honest with me, they would say, you know, Marcy, it's not very good. And I would agree with them because it's not finished. And the truth is that it's got, um, a, I've got a lot more work to do. Mm-hmm. Because it's got layer upon layer upon layer before it's going to be done. My paintings are multiple layers of paint. And with every layer, it adds greater depth richer color, and more interest. And early in the painting, it's just not there. And it's not what I desire it to be. Mm. And one day when I was in the studio and I was painting, God laid on my heart that he is the master artist. And we are his canvas. And every layer matters. He wastes nothing. And in John 517, it says that he is always at work. And Romans 828 says that he works all things together for good. So if he's always at work and he's working all things together for good, that tells me that what he is doing is for our good and he's continually doing it. So if you're in a bad place, I would say be encouraged because he's not finished. He's not finished. And you're just in a bad layer. And Philippians 1, 6 says that he's going to finish what he started. So don't be discouraged. Be encouraged. Because he loves you. And the reason I know he loves you is because he sent his son Jesus to the cross for you. Mm -hmm. And he wouldn't have sent his son Jesus to a cross to die if he wasn't going to finish the work in you. He loves us that much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amen. Oh, you've got me in tears over here. (laughs) It's so beautiful and so true. You know, and sometimes we don't see the full, beautiful, complete masterpiece or painting until heaven, but he's continually working on it. And I always find so much hope in the reminder too that this world isn't all there is. Like this isn't the end for us. This is like a blink compared to eternity that we get to spend in heaven and in our redeemed, restored bodies. Right. Wow, that's good. So what do you love most or what are you learning now about the character of God? I think what I what I'm drawn to is his patience in waiting 
watching me wait, learning to wait, his grace, his mercy. I think all of those things have become so real to me. Mm-hmm. He was so patient with me for so long. His grace and his goodness were so there. And now I think I'm in awe of the fact that he is on the throne. I think that's where I am at this point in my life. For so long, I was just so in awe of his patience and his mercy and his grace. And now I'm just in awe of the fact that he is on the throne and we are before him. Yeah. I'm just in awe of that. Mm. I'm just in awe of that. And I think that that verse in um, Habakkuk where it says, he is on his throne, let all the earth be silent before him. I think that is just, um, I think I'm there just in amazement over his goodness to us. I love that. That is so, so beautiful. Um, So you never got your memories back. I never got my memories back. But since you wrote a book about your experience, I'm assuming you eventually told your family. <laughs> we, I did tell my family. After the night in the, in the backyard, I came in. I shared about the alcoholism. I, I went to a, a alcohol support group, got sober, um, then began to share about my memory issues. And we, all of that became real with friends and family. And, um, and then, um, yes, it's all, everybody knows everything now. Yeah. Mm. And I used uh, journals. I had kept journals, and that's how I was able to write the book. Oh, wow. Yeah, listeners, you have to read Marcy's book. It is so beautiful and inspiring and encouraging and I don't, very easy to read. It's quick. I read it in like a day and a half. I was on <laughs> Christmas break, so I had lots of time, but oh. I really couldn't put it down and oh. just loved it so much. Um, as we wrap up, what did I miss? What is something, a final thought or two that the Holy Spirit is laying on your heart? It could be a word of encouragement or just something I can't let you leave without sharing. Mm. For those that are waiting, he is not letting you wait in vain. There is there is a blessing in the waiting. I'm waiting too. And there's a blessing in the waiting. And there's a blessing in the waiting. He loves us. And he loves us more than we will ever comprehend. Mm. And there's a blessing in the waiting. I needed to hear that one for myself. (laughs) Yeah. Marcy, thank you so much for being on today. Oh, thank you for having me, Jess. It's been a blessing for me today. Where can people find you? I am in Charlotte, North Carolina. You can reach me um, at uh, where you can. My studio is at Dilworth Artisan Station, so you can reach me there, or you can reach me at marcygregart.com. That's my um, that's my website, and my contact information is on there. 
Wonderful. Thank you so much, Marcy. All right. Thank you so much for having me, Jess. I adored my conversation with Marcy, just her sweet spirit and how even though with everything she's gone through, she still has such hope and faith and love for the Lord. And uh, it just, it inspired me. And I felt so, so blessed to be able to start the year with a conversation with her. And um, I hope you did too. And I hope you feel encouraged and inspired to continue to wait on the Lord. And, you know, what I'm about to say, maybe you'll be like, uh, duh, that's what it means. But when she was talking about waiting on the Lord, it kind of hit me anew or afresh that so many times I I pray like, Lord, I'm waiting on you, but I'm really waiting on something that I want him to do. I'm waiting on some sort of movement, not just waiting on him to like reveal himself or to be present. I mean, here he is present, but I think it's like a, a simple shift but in my mind something about it seemed to have like really big implications um that I'm kind of wrestling through of like the difference between waiting on God to blank whatever it may be versus just waiting on God and maybe maybe you're like yeah same thing <laughs> but I don't know something about it in my spirit struck me as like there is a subtle difference that for me personally right now, felt significant of like this little shift in perspective of, God, I got to stop focusing on what I want to happen and more just wait on you every day to show me something new. Wait on you to grow me and shape me or I don't know, even that's still putting some kind of like action verb. And I think this is more like a state, this is like a being verb of this is just a continual state of being in the presence of God and waiting expectantly to see what he's going to do instead of waiting on him to do X, Y, Z, because that's what I want. So I don't know, do what you want with that. I'm going to be sitting with that more and kind of praying through that because I feel like there's something kind of convicting me in that of I've I've been wanting too specific of things and God's like, just look for me because I'm there already. Even if you don't get what you think you want right now, I am already here. The thing you're waiting for is me and I'm here. So enjoy me. <laughs> so I hope that maybe convicts you a little bit too if you need that today to just enjoy the Lord and the thing you're waiting on might not be the the real thing that he's trying to bring you right now. Um, so, so there's that. Uh, so happy new year. As I've already said, this episode comes out on my birthday. I'm 36 today, January 12th. Um, so that's exciting, I guess. Yeah. I like that. I've, I've never been afraid of birthdays. I feel like a new year for, to see what God's going to do. Um, so I hope you have a wonderful couple of weeks. I'll be back in two weeks like normal. And I'm just excited for what God's going to do in the podcast this year. Please email me anytime, jess at collectedministries.org. 
especially if you have some ideas for guests or Instagram content or anything. I would love to hear from my listeners and um, see what, what you need and what I can best do to serve you this year as we head on a new year together. Um, So I'm sending you lots of love and praying that you experience God in new ways this year. We'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Collected Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you'd help spread the word. Check back here for new episodes dropping every other Thursday. You can follow along on social media at Collected Ministries. 